Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So how was your 2016, Steve? Pretty good, pretty good. How about your 2016? You know, going back and thinking about it, I think there's, you know, I learned a lot about myself. Like, you know, I kind of stopped watching, like, TV this year. Like, the regular old live TV. Like, I stopped watching the CW superhero shows. I stopped watching even uh, the, the, the Inked Master and stuff like that. I just kind of started watching just the Netflix and everything. I mean, do you even watch live TV anymore? I have not watched a single thing on live TV in 2016. Not a single thing. I I think I watched one of the parades. The the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I watched that with my kids on live TV. That is the only thing I watched on live TV this year. So you're one of the reasons those still, like, happen. (laughs) But no, I mean, seriously, I, like... I mean, just thinking about it, it's like, I don't miss it either. Like, I, I'm just so sick of some of the... I mean, because part of it is just network television. I mean, I really just... Like, the second season of The Flash ended, and I was like, oh, wow, the characters went nowhere. Barry Allen's an idiot. Um, and I, uh, I I just got sick of it. I'm sick of the network television. I'm sick of the really crappy storylines that need to keep going season after season without nobody going anywhere. Because they're stuck in that old rerun mentality, I guess. I don't know. And meanwhile, you know, I go on to Netflix and they got Stranger Things, which is a really good show. And then they got the animated Voltron, which is a really good show, and all the Marvel shows. I mean, like, I mean, how have you been watching stuff? Have you been doing just the Netflix, or do you do you, do you watch like their apps and stuff too? So I, I, can't, I keep up on. I still keep up on some network shows. I keep up on mostly superhero stuff, Agents of Shield. Uh, the whole DC CW uh, Berlanti verse, uh, as as you might call it, uh, you know, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. So what, uh, what 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 I'm hearing is we can't talk about TV no more because evidently you got bad taste. <laughs> Listen, I think part of it, <laughs> part of it is, I there's. There's something interesting and unique happening, even if it's not always good. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen this kind of thing happen before, where you know, Flash went back and changed the past, so we had to change. We changed stuff on Arrow, and now Arrow characters are different because of something that happened on a different show, and we're crossing over two, three times a year. I think it's it's a cool experiment to watch, even if on a week-to-week basis, it's not the best television show you've ever watched. I suppose I could see your point to an extent, considering... I mean, but... Okay, so here's the thing, though. Like, Arrow, are they still doing the flashbacks? Uh, yes, Arrow. This is the last year of flashbacks on Arrow. See, they, they say that. They say that, but next thing you know, they're going to flashback, and you're going to be seizing, seeing stuff like... Oh, but what I didn't tell you that happened in season one that whole time. And you're going to be seeing him do stuff that he didn't do in season one. They're going to do it, man. I'm telling you. Oh, wait, wait. Well, since they changed the past, they have to do that now, right? You're right. You're right. The new version of season one, the the flashpoint. It's not flashpoint in season one. So there you go. See, that sounds absolutely terrible. That sounds so terrible. But the wig, man. What about the wig? Wait, there's a wig? Okay. We're done with uh, no, that. No, because... the wig. The wig that uh, that that what's his name wears um, for all the flashbacks. 
Oh God, I know what you're talking. Okay, yeah, we, 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 we can't I'll, end the flashbacks um, because then we put that wig out of a job. Steve, Steve, Stephen McQueen, or no, no, that's not right. Steve, Steve McQueen, Steve <laughs> <laughs> <Lightning> McQueen. <laughs> I mean, no, um, but no, I, I know what you mean. But I, I am enjoying all the Netflix. Um, you know, Daredevil season two, I think, is probably the best. I mean, it's not. TV in the traditional sense, I guess. It is still TV. It's some of the best TV I've ever seen, I think. I, I, I absolutely loved Daredevil Season 2. See, um, I, man, you know what? This, this podcast is over. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, this, the first half of Daredevil Season 2 was great. The second half was complete derivative television bullcrap. It belonged on cable network TV, man. I mean, maybe this is the thing. Maybe because you haven't cut yourself away. You haven't cut yourself away, so you're sitting there like, oh, man, Daredevil Season 2 was great. And it's like, no. No, because Season 1 of Daredevil was great. Season 1 of Jessica Jones was great. And Season 1 of Luke Cage also had problems in the latter half and also was better in the latter. Like, Luke Cage is interesting because the, the, the first half, pretty good stuff. The second half is where things get really good. And at the same time, get really bad. So it's Luke Cage is kind of weird. Yeah, but I think the, I think they're still suffering a little bit from having uh, too many episodes. Um, I thought Jessica Jones and Luke Cage could have both done with a couple less episodes. Um, not that not that this now we're off 2016, but uh, Jessica Jones in particular, I felt like once. And here's big spoilers for anyone who's a year late on your Netflix shows. Um, once you realize that, that Jessica is immune to the, the Purple Man, uh, Kilgrave, it it takes it takes some of his... It's what it takes the wind out of his sails as a threatening villain. He's not a threat to her anymore, but again, right. You're, you're right, you're right. That is that is stuff that we're we might want to say for its own podcast because honestly, like what I love about Daredevil season one and Jessica Jones season one, and I'm I probably have to do another viewing of Luke Cage to get a good handle on that, and probably even season two of Daredevil. But like seasons one of Daredevil and Jessica Jones are very clear. You get just these themes, these core themes, and the entire season focuses on telling this one set story and they do it in a way that you can on network television. And going back again to this year, they do the same thing with uh, stranger things. Stranger things has that core story that goes from start to, you know, start middle finish. And I'm kind of disappointed. There's going to be another season, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? I mean, and that's the thing. Stranger Things isn't even like the best story I've ever seen. Isn't even the best TV show I've ever seen. But it was. It, it hits all the good, the right marks. You know, it, it's really good. And you haven't seen it yet, have you? No, I haven't seen. I, I started watching the first episode and I got interrupted and I have didn't get a chance to finish it. Um. So I I, I will need to have a verdict on Stranger Things at a later date. Man, it's almost like you got kids or something kids uh tell me about it (laughs) (laughs) but that's that's pretty much i I don't get to watch or play anything that i cannot do in the presence of my kids half the time so (laughs) or my wife well that's that's why you you watched voltron with your kids right i did watch voltron with my kids you are see excellent excellent you know i never actually 
there's, sure. there's some advantages. You get to watch that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm all up on all the Disney Pixar films. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. But. <laughs> I haven't seen them all yet myself, especially some of the more recent ones. But And maybe that's part of 2016, too. Like, have you, Did you get to see some of the... Um, which ones did come out in 2016? Uh, Zootopia was the big one. Um, the other ones, I think, were 2000... That, I, that, that are in high rotation right now were 2015 ones, like uh, Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur. Um, I remember hearing a lot of good about the former, nothing good about the latter. Yeah, it was. But that's 2015. Was, who cares about 2015? That's 20. Who cares about 2015? We're talking about 20, 2016. Yeah, Zootopia is a you know completely inconsistent, uh, but fun and interesting story about racism, and uh, you know not judging people by what they look like. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to see, like, the latter half of the movie, and I got that message, but I also feel like the message kind of, like, they kind of folded on themselves, but I, I don't want to get that deep into it. Like, I, I, I oh, yeah. understood what Zootopia was trying to do, but I feel like they did a really bad job by treating complicated subject matter in a superficial way. Well, and also just the fact that you've got... You know, you're you're using literal animals that are predators, and you're like, oh well, they've changed and they're not predators anymore. But it's like racist or something to say that they have you know predatory instincts in their DNA. I'm like, it's a tiger or whatever. You know, like of course it has predatory instincts. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. By the end of the movie, by the end of the movie, I find out like this city is segregated anyway into these different communities, and it's like ah. Wait, why, 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 are, why isn't the segregation the problem? Like, what's going on here? Like, what is the setting that you have created that you're trying to, to like, what's going on? But this is, this is why you just, you can't, you take, gotta take that. You can't like, overthink it. Basic message and say, that's a good, positive idea. And don't try to dig too deep into it or else you're gonna just end up running in circles. Like, for example, there's one scene where, you know, uh, the, what the, the, it looks like it's a kid fox, and he wants to be an elephant. And, you know, the the bunny cop tells him, oh, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And some people are like, oh, that's transpositive or something. And they're like, oh, no, well, it's not transpositive, because it turns out that the kid fox was just like a little fox who was an adult who was pretending to be a kid fox, so it supports the stereotype that trans people are trying to trick people. And I'm just like, it's a kid's movie. Like, <laughs> you can't... You can't yeah, go there. At some point, it's like, and let's face it, the, the the only people that are really thinking that hard about it are the adults. The kids, they just see animals, man. Yeah. I mean, we grew up with Fern Gully and Captain Planet, and we're still arguing about environmentalism. So, all right. Now that that's the heaviest I ever wanted this podcast to get... <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's lighten things away a little bit, um... I mean, speaking of nostalgia, too, I mean, that is the one funny thing I noticed about Netflix is, I mean, even if it's not direct nostalgia, like, you have, I mean, well, like, Stranger Things, definitely playing off of nostalgia, but then, like, what's the one show you you and your wife watched this year? Uh, uh, We watched Gilmore Girls, the Gilmore Girls revival. I mean, revival, that's 
nostalgia, they got Fuller House going on, and again, like Voltron I watched, and I never watched a cartoon Voltron, but that's still... Like, is, is this part of the current trend, or is this Netflix just being like, hey, you know what people are really going to watch? I mean, because that's what businesses well, are doing, right? Familiar properties, familiar IPs. Well, isn't there... I, I remember reading a while ago about how Netflix was working with this algorithm, so they they figured out that people want to would want to see Kevin Spacey in a show, so they made House of Cards. Um, so is that, you know, were episodes of 80s cartoons doing well on... I think I think they did have the old, the old Voltron episodes for a while. We're doing well on Netflix. And they said, okay, like, well, let's see what cartoon properties we can bring back. I, I, I wouldn't put it past them to... Uh, to sort of be looking at their data in the market like that, and say, well, what what can we re- what can we reboot or you know, re uh, what's the thing with the fibrillators? Like defibrillate the paddles and yeah. bring some life back into this franchise. Um, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, it, well, on that on that note too, I mean, at the very least, they do seem to be getting good teams or getting receiving and listening to good pitches because, at the very least, like they they it's not that just that they did you know. Okay, let's do Voltron. They didn't throw it at any studio. They're like, let's get the people that did the Avatar and Legend of Korra animation and some of that old writing staff. Let's get them to do it. Or maybe the that old writing staff went to them. Who knows? I mean, I haven't done that much research. I mean, pff, research. So, well, it's like, like I, I mean, I don't know if you or your, or your listeners are particularly familiar with Gilmore Girls. Um, nope. I have seen every episode of the show at least once. Um, because my wife watches it, or watched it, and we have all the DVDs, and we don't. Really, just kidding. I, I, I'm lying here. Anyway, um, so the final season of the show was one of those where it was a different showrunner, producer, writers, all all running it. And it was totally different than the last season the original creator of the show had wanted to do. So Netflix, again, they brought back the original creator... And let her sort of stamp her artistic vision on what she wanted to do. Um, which actually ended up being a lot more interesting than I think where the, where the show ended up originally when it ended. Um, so there's, there's something there's something to that with the, with the teams that they're, they're getting together and, and whatnot to do these, uh, these shows. Do you think any of the other services are are, are doing anything comparable? Because, I mean, I, the only things I've watched on... I mean, the only other services I'm really watching... I watch Crunchyroll for anime, and when I, what I watch on Amazon Prime... Like, I don't think I've watched any of their original content yet. I've only watched uh, the anime Cabanary of the Iron Fortress, um, and I'm watching the Grand Tour right now, which is basically Top Gear, but with a lot less self-control with some of the jokes like they do stuff they do stuff that they would never have gotten away with on uh yeah. top gear the, the christmas episode i think had a few examples of uh oh yeah of that yeah, yeah. um no the uh absolutely um i think i think everybody it's almost like yeah i think everyone's trying to get that amazon is probably it's got to be the number two uh, service doing that right now, um, 
Hulu has been trying, but I haven't actually bothered to watch any of the any of the stuff that Hulu is carrying right now in terms of original content. And I, I remember, like, Yahoo Originals was trying to do some stuff, but none of it ever looked good, except for, like, they did, what was it, like, the last season or so of Community? Yes. But yeah, that they did the last ended. season of Community, but the app was trash, and it was excruciating to watch on that stupid app. And that's the thing, too. It's like, um, like how, how many of these places are people going to have to get subscriptions to? Like, eventually, when you get your cable bill, you know, instead of having all these uh, television packages, they're going to have streaming packages. But that we're not there yet. So right now, it's like, okay, so I'm paying for Netflix. I'm already paying for Amazon Prime because of everything else that comes with it. I'm paying for Crunchyroll. I'm paying for Hulu. It's like, I'm kind of at my limit. And mm. now you're telling me, like... And what happens when these network television shows, like, when they want to move on to it? And one of the reasons I'm streaming is because, like, a lot of these network shows, they have commercials. They have all this stuff that I don't want to have anything to do with. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what... That's, that is something I wanted to... You want to get away from commercials, right? And then, for example, if you want to watch... We watch the, the CW uh, superhero shows, the DC shows on the CW streaming service. Now, there are less commercials than in a standard TV block, but there's, you're still watching 10 minutes of commercials with your 40-ish minute show. So, it's kind of... I don't know. Everyone's trying to have something, and it's... I don't know where we're going to end up. <laughs> well, as I said, eventually we're just going to end up at everyone's got a different streaming service package. Yeah, the 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 modern TV. The only thing that's going to keep the modern TV as it is alive is going to be sports, and mm. I don't even know what the future of that is for the most part. I mean, when the NFL goes streaming, then you know that TV's dead. Yeah. Now, something that uh, I was reading about with uh, with sort of the the strategy on the the CW shows in particular is they're trying to. I think it's actually really clever what they're doing is they are... You mentioned before there's there's still some of this sort of classic TV where characters don't really go anywhere and, and so on, where they're trying to develop a show that is both... It's syndicatable, that it will be able to be, you know, purchased by TNT or TBS or whoever... To or in international stations to air in reruns until eternity. Like TNT's know. already doing with Arrow, right? Um, so they're, they're they're they have that in mind. I think the 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 way they've been with their deal with Netflix. So now they're I think to some degree they're they're trying to get into that into that Netflix space of you know. Here's the show, binge on it. Of course, if you're watching it on Netflix, you're watching it nine months late. Um, and then they're, they've got their own streaming service. So it's like, they're, and so you gotta, you know, you watch it on their streaming service along with their original uh, animated shows that tie into that. Like there's a, uh, there's a Vixen animated show, and now they're launching a Constantine animated show on their, on their streaming service. Now so that the actual NBC show has failed, yes. <laughs> so there's just it's just interesting. They're 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 trying. I think they're it's um it's sort of like 
like Microsoft was a few years ago with software. You know, like we got we got a console, we've got a media player, we've got the micro, you know, the OS, we got a phone, we've got like we got everything, and we're gonna like throw it all the wall and see what sticks. Hmm. I don't know. We might we might have to come back to this topic another time, but for right now, <laughs> I want to move on uh, and discuss movies. And maybe part of it's because I didn't get to check out... I mean, like, every year I can't... I never get myself down to check out the indie movies that come out. Like, still haven't seen It Follows. Um, still haven't seen... Uh, I haven't even seen Crimson Peak from uh, Guillermo del Toro, and I love him. But, like, this year I haven't seen Green Room. I haven't seen um, The Lobster yet. These are movies I want to see. But when it comes to just going to the theater and most of the stuff you see... like. I'm going to be honest, dude. I found this year absolutely disappointing, or I was just completely uninterested in stuff. Note, I still have yet to see Rogue One, and I have heard enough good about that that I'm prepared to... Like, I've heard good about that from people I trust, hmm. as opposed to Episode 7, which I was not fond of. Which we could do a whole episode of that, where we just bludgeon each other to death, arguing about... The Force if, Awakens. It, if I want people to hate me, we'll, we'll, we'll put it on YouTube, and so we can nope. actually physically fight each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, you you no, kick my ass. I uh, I I was trying to think of movies I've seen this year, and I'm I'm like a big movie guy. I watch all kinds of movies. I watch, you know, I, I like the you know Wes Anderson type, you know. A weird indie stuff and I like superhero stuff and the big blockbusters and all this other stuff I saw four new movies this year that was it which ones were they? Uh, Captain America Civil War Batman vs. Superman Doctor Strange and X-Men Apocalypse god I forgot Batman vs. Superman was this year and that's the thing like the first half of the move of this year I was constantly going to the movies um it wasn't until my car accident that i ended up uh, having to uh stop for a while yeah that's yeah. what catalyzed it. so the last movie i saw in theaters god help me was suicide squad i'm so oh, sorry no wonder i haven't been back i mean <laughs> you, you, you go see a movie like suicide squad you get yourself into like a car hitting the freaking cement divider and next thing you know it's like well clearly that's bad luck but no, I mean, I have been wanting to go back, but, like, Doctor Strange, I actually, like, I, it's not that I'm disinterested in Doctor Strange, it's that, well, I'm disinterested in Doctor Strange. Like, I mean, I, I it, it looks like a movie I want to see eventually, maybe. I mean, I just can't feel any kind of passion for it, which is weird, because then I see the trailer for the upcoming uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and I see the trailer for Amazing Spider-Man, and... Much more Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I'm interested in seeing that again. But mm. what gets me is... And it's not like, oh, look, Rocket and Baby Groot. They're so funny and memeable. <laughs> it's more like I love the dynamic that now Rocket is taking care of a Baby Groot. Like it is his best friend's child, but it's also his best friend as a child. So I, I like it's a character dynam dynamic. And now... Like, that's why I was fired up for Civil War, and Doctor Strange is going back to square one, and Spider-Man had the advantage of introducing the character in Civil War, 
So I know that they're taking that character and now we have room for him to grow. Doctor Strange, I'm just... I, I don't care about a new origin story. Like, I am fully burnt out on origin stories now that we have established characters and I can see them grow. I can see them move forward. I can see them keep doing things. And I'm hoping that the lesson Marvel learns with Civil War is you don't need entire cities or planets or worlds being threatened. And who am I kidding? Because the next movies are Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, and then Avengers Infinity War. It's going to be nothing but the entire galaxy at stake. And I don't want those stakes. I want the personal stakes. There's still the Black Panther movie coming before Infinity War, these two. I'm I'm guessing that's going to be more on the... Like Captain America movie scale. Granted, in Captain in uh, Winter Soldier, there was still you know kind of global consequences, but yeah, there were. But I mean, what really come what it really comes down to is it's really about the characters in that situation and what each of the characters does in that situation because a lot of them are tackling the same kind of themes and ideas, especially because it's. Like, okay, we give the characters a uh, conflict. How does each of them individually react? And that you can have, like the Black Black Widow especially. Hmm. She's never been able to have a full movie on her own, but especially with the, uh, oddly enough, I feel like the Russo brothers do a better job writing her than Joss Whedon, who has basically made a career out of being that guy that, oh, he can write kick-ass women. <laughs> sort of, I guess. But no, I mean, that's true. I really the um, I, I would agree with that. I think I think Black Widow does has some of the best Black Widow stuff is in the the last two Captain America movies that were written by the Russos. Yep, and that's the thing. Like she she's got the from what you see of her in those movies, you you, you can get like wrap your head around her own personal conflict with the situation, like like where her values are, what she's trying to go through, and that's what make Civil War great is all of the characters have something they're struggling with even if they're only given a few minutes screen time and it all just builds to this thing except for of course Ant-Man and Spider-Man who both of them are just happy to be there and you need that levity too you need that levity there but um I mean that's the thing like Captain America Civil War that is probably one of my more favorite movies of last year. It's also like one of the only ones that comes to mind. Like I, I, I look back and it's like I went to the movies a lot, and I feel like you know, like what it ends up being is I went to the um, when they were showing like the retro cinema movies, and I get to see movies like Jaws. It's like that was great to see on the big screen, man. Um, the only other thing I could think of was seeing Shin Godzilla, which is. Definitely the best Godzilla movie since the very first one. And, oh man, I could talk so much about that. Like, just, oh, <laughs> goodness, that movie. Very yeah, good, have, very interesting. Yeah, I haven't, um... I haven't seen much of the uh, the Godzilla movies. That's something that I'd like to check out, but... Um, yeah, the last Godzilla movie I saw was the one with... Uh, I don't know, the terrible Ferris one. Ferris Bueller, yeah, yeah. With, with Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah, then you, you you haven't seen a Godzilla movie then. But at the same time, 
I mean, like someone told me, like well, I've seen like this. I've seen like a couple of the like a long time ago. I saw a couple of the old old ones, um, and they don't age well. Yeah, they're, they're fun, they, but it's like I had a I had I've had friends come to me. It's like so I've never really watched a Godzilla movie before. Which one should I start with? It's like well. I could give you some suggestions, but I could, my recommendation would be because you're not like you know six years old, get on the couch with some friends and make sure you got plenty of booze flowing and watch it like you would an old you know not very good kung fu flick because the, the movies don't age well they're all silly, but there's something very WWE wrestling match about them so <laughs> about that's, like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla or whatever you know. I mean, yeah, even the ones in the, like the ones that in the, in the '90s and everything, like technically better production values, but those are also the ones where they go back in time in World War II, and it turns out Godzilla was originally a dinosaur still alive on an island that got hit by a nuke, and now he's some hundred meter or more, like not more than hundred meters. Jeez, um, I don't even like I don't know distance. I don't know maths. <laughs> And plus, me- meters, how do they work? What, what are you, a communist using meters, man? I, I, I got look. I got the feet. Godzilla compendium over here, and it measures in not feet. So <laughs> it's he's like skyscrapers, skyscrapers tall, and it gets bigger and bigger. So that's all I know. So, but no, um, I mean, I will say the 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 American flick recently done by Gar- Gareth Edwards was a. Good film. It wasn't the best Godzilla film, and it would have been more interesting if Brian Cranston was the main character and hmm. not Kickass, but or Quicksilver, whichever one you prefer. <laughs> but I mean, it the, the new Shin Godzilla. What makes that one great is that Hideaki Anno, who made his mark in the geeky uh, Japan-loving circles with Evangelion, being the director of Evangelion, even mm-hmm. though he also did Nadia, Secret of Blue Water. Um, he did uh, Gunbuster? Gunbuster? It might have been Gunbuster. I can't remember the name. He, he directed a few things before Evangelion, basically. But he, he was the director of Shin Godzilla, and honestly... It has to be, like, it's not going to get anything at Oscars this year. It's not even going to get Best Foreign Film because the Academy is fucking assholes and they're never going to give credit to a movie like this. But the thing is, a lot of the cinematography was some of the most fascinating, dynamic, experimental. It's like, you don't see people shoot films like that. And, it, and this is because it's an animator, a guy that's usually an animator, and it's like, okay, now that I'm not limited to what we can draw, like, and that's the thing, like, it, in animation, you can do things you can't do with a real camera, but at the same time, like, he has so much motion, because in animation, motion takes time, it takes so much effort and money, like, you, you will wear out your artists, you'll wear out, like, everything, You'll run out of paper. You'll run out of pencils. It's everything, man. It's animation. And yet, you get... Actually, that makes me sound like a real big dumbass, especially when <laughs> animation's digital. But whatever, whatever. I mean, you get my point. It's like, right. animation's hard because it's done with hand. But, instead, you know, when you get live action, there's always people moving in every shot. 
and it keeps it with this relentless kind of pace where things are just moving on and on and on and it's just wonderful it is wonderful it keeps you energized even though most of the movie is politicians in rooms talking <laughs> and it is mostly politicians in rooms talking because it is a harsh criticism of Japan's or the Japanese government's inability to respond in a crisis and that is one of the reasons it is the best Godzilla movie since the original because it actually means something and I went back and rewatched Godzilla well it's something like uh, Return of Godzilla in the original Japanese and they re recently re-released it on Blu-ray but Godzilla 1985 is the original American release when and that's when we modified it. We modified it to be, you know, pro-America and, man, Russia, boo. But <laughs> the original film is Japan's sort of perspective on the Cold War and what they, how they view America and Russia's stance on this kind of thing and how they're so hair-trigger happy and it's kind of like, okay, what is Japan's perspective on this? But it's not really, it's not really inward looking. And the first Godzilla, of course, isn't, is inward looking in a different way. They're not going to be criticizing themselves because it's more like a look at how, at, you know, what, here's the power that we've reached, you know, here's like the nukes and here's what, the devastation we've seen on our own homeland. And it creates a story about, you know, like, how like like what what's the like weapons are like you you might make a weapon to destroy another weapon or to be a deterrent but it's just going to be another weapon a weapon a weapon like anything that can be used for defense can also be used for offense so there's even that kind of a message going on so it's not very often Godzilla movies can have meaning but Shin Godzilla really brought it and it is a shame because I feel like a lot of Americans sitting down and watching it you might get it a little bit but you won't get it the same if you're not thinking of the recent nuclear disaster hmm. that happened and uh, other stuff like that. Right. Uh, so, that is interesting. Um, but I'm sorry. I've monologued for too long. Have, <sighs> like, So, I mean, other than Captain America, so, like, how was uh, Doctor Strange or what else did you see? Oh, yeah. Batman versus Superman. and, uh, um, and X-Men? You actually went to see X-Men? No, I didn't go to see it. I, I saw... So, so looking back, so I saw actually didn't see Civil War in the theater. I saw Civil War, X Men, and Deadpool. I forgot that I saw Deadpool. I forgot that it was two thousand sixteen. Oh yeah, I saw those all at um, video. And Doctor Strange and Batman versus Superman were the only ones I actually saw in the theater. Um, well, at least one of those is good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what to say? I mean, Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's another origin story. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of like I was thinking about this. If you look at, say, you know, all these classic Disney animation movies, they all have roughly the same plot points, right? Like, uh, here's your protagonist. They're a little bit downtrodden for some reason, you know. Uh and whatever, like there's there's all these you kind of you hit the you you play it by the numbers, and everybody loves them, and they're all classics. But the thing is, they came all came out years apart. You know, you didn't have three of them coming out every year. 
And so, so they was, at least came out one a year. Yeah, at least sometimes, sometimes even a little bit, even less than that. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it was every year about um, during like. I'm trying to like I don't I don't remember I was a kid and I didn't bother looking it up I don't know what would like what you had Aladdin and Lion King and what else came out in the nineties? Uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast came out. Um, really, that was nineties. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was the early nineties. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, but so you didn't have three a year though. You certainly did not have three animated. So now like you go into a movie like Doctor Strange and like yeah it's you know it's funny. The, the performances are all really good. The characters, there's, there's good characterization. Um, the, uh, you know, it's all, it's all very well put together. There are great visuals, uh, things that, you know, you, you can say, wow, I've never seen a scene quite like that before. Um, but then when you're seeing that and it's happening three times a year, kind of, like I said, it, it kind of loses something. Like you said, you get like burned out on origin stories and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, I, it, it definitely was a great movie. I just, I, I don't know. I, I was a little, a little exhausted by this sort of thing. Um, which again, which is why I think Deadpool resonated with so many people. Because yeah, it's a superhero origin story. But it's it's basically, you know, um, for lack of better words, it's, it's taking a piss on superhero origin stories. While being a superhero origin story. Well, it's not even just that. They they also structured it intelligently because a Deadpool origin story cannot work if you tell it like other origin stories. Right. Because the whole reason you're seeing Deadpool is you want to see Deadpool. And if he's not Deadpool yet, then he's not interesting. Yeah, Wade Wilson is not interesting. It's not no. he's not Peter Parker or Bruce Wayne. Nobody wants to see a Wade, anything about Wade Wilson any longer than they have to. And honestly, ending with a happy love story kind of a conclusion is weird. But, I mean, they didn't think they would be making another one, so it kind of makes sense to its own degree. But right. no, I mean, having, like, it's intelligent to have that break between Deadpool and not Deadpool and Wade Wilson. So you give you start off with Deadpool, you give everybody... The character that you came here for. You start off with the crazy. And then you get a time to breathe. And yeah, you get some chuckles with him as Wade Wilson. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, you get a little bit of time. You get a break away from Deadpool's antics. And then next thing you know, you're right back with Deadpool. And you're, you got just the action, just the violence, and just the over-the-top, fourth-wall-breaking comedy you want. And it's... I mean, that's how you that's how you break up an origin story. You make it feel less like an origin story because you also have the character going as they are. Like, the character is right. already established. Yeah, that's true. I, I think it, what it also does, it, it, it makes an argument for limiting the budgets of some of these things where, you know, you only had... You had two big action sequences in the movie. And the, the way they structured those flashbacks... In the beginning, it's like that one, that first action scene, the car chase and the bridge and all of that. I mean, I, I don't have the you know, actual running time, but what they made that one scene essentially take up the first third of the movie, maybe because they interspersed it with uh, with all the flashbacks. So you kind of really got your money's worth out of that one action scene, um, just from you know from a 
from a budget and structural movie structural thing and all of that. Um, Just a single set piece, yeah. Right, right. It's one, but it's one right. The that's one one set piece, but it they you know they were limited budget. They didn't have a budget for three or four. You know, this isn't Civil War where they who what did they spend on that two hundred million or something like that? Who knows? And like a a third of that's just Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, right. Where you know you've got the here's the action scene in Africa, and here's the action scene on the freeway. Here's the action scene in the airport, and here's the action scene in Antarctica. Where you can't you can't do that on fifty million dollars with superheroes. so I, honestly, that might be another point on on why what's part of the problem with the Marvel movies is that they've got too much money to just do whatever they want to do, rather than saying maybe we need to limit this, maybe we need to take it back. What can we make more with less? Nobody ever asks that, right? <laughs> we we yeah. want to make more with more. <laughs> I mean, the closest you get is that's what they they did with the TV series. They're like, okay, now we're going to have a TV series budget, which can be still sizable, but you got to spread it across a lot more hours, a lot more time, and sometimes a lot more actors too. So it it, it ends up being, you know, a, 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 you get the TV show at a lower budget, so that's where they get to scale things down. But at the same time, I mean, you're right. Like for, for a movie, for a solid small, and of course they make jokes about it. Like you know, going to Xavier's mansion, and it's almost like there's only two people there. <laughs> you know, like so it's it really. It, I mean, I agree. Like it helps to throw a smaller budget at these things, or to perhaps kind of like show some restraint, or per, or maybe like really think about where you want that money to go because. I'm going to be honest, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, do I need another planet in danger? I mean, I have no idea what how it's going I, to end up being, but I I mean, what's making the trailer work is where, where you have this big action scene is the comedy to it. But at some point, they're going to get sincere again. And it's like, I, I don't... You don't know, yeah. I, I, like, I'm fine with you guys getting sincere. Just don't keep flashing back to all kinds of random NPCs in the road of this giant alien city that I just do not give a crap about. <laughs> like, le- you can make the stakes personal, man. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Speaking of less is more, X-Men Apocalypse, uh, that is a movie that could have used less of just about everything. <laughs> and more of... Uh, uh, what's the uh, Matthew Vaughn? I believe is the director and his writer Jane Goldman. I believe those are the names because they're the ones that wrote and directed. I mean, that's the thing. Matthew Vaughn he always has Jane Goldman on his writing staff. Like mm-hmm. the two of them work together. They did Stardust. They did Kick Ass. They did um, uh, Kingsman, of course. Uh, they and they did X Men um, First Class. Days yeah. of Future Past yeah. was originally them. Then it moved on to Brian Singer. But Brian Singer was still working with the basic structure of what they wrote. So Right. And what's funny in the movie is they make a you know, it's the eighties. So they yes, uh, they yeah, go I've to see so Return much. of the Jedi in theaters and coming out they say, Well, you know, the third one's always the worst, which was supposed to be supposed a dig to be. at X Men three, obviously. 
Uh, yes. But this sort of being the third of another trilogy, Studio First Class, Days of Future Past, and, uh, and now Apocalypse, it ends up being a dig at itself uh, because it's bad. Yeah. So, I mean, that's generally for what we got for movies. Um, so, I mean, how about music? Music. What have you got? What have, what have you got for music? What have I got like, for what? music? Um, so I didn't have any major changes in my personal tastes or anything. Anything this year. Uh, so my my primary interests are usually progressive rock, progressive metal. I listen to some power metal. Listen to some more mainstream, uh, alternative, that kind of thing. Um, so my, my big albums of the year are all things you've never heard of, uh, <laughs> or never, you may have heard of them, so... Uh, I may have. I have. I've got Haken, uh, Affinity, uh, which is just a really great, um, really dynamic, progressive metal album. Uh, it's, uh, the band has sort of done this thing where they've, each album they're taking inspiration from a different decade. And Affinity is they're taking inspiration from the 80s. And they do a really good job of integrating things that make you say, wow, that's so 80s, but keeping it modern. Uh, so what, what kind of stuff did they do with the 60s and the 70s? Um, How far back have they gone? Actually? The 60s, really, they I, think, I think 60s, 70s, and 80s. I, I didn't honestly know they were doing it until I read an interview about this album. So I kind of going back, I can see where, um, where the the previous album uh, had some. What's the name of the previous album? I forget. That's what, uh, the so mountain it's, it's, is it the mountain? Um, had some had some seventies influence on it for sure, uh, but this one I think is maybe much more clear uh, of where the insp- where, of the inspiration and where it came from. So it's subtle, but it's not like uh, like you're not going to be hearing like the disco bass riff in no. the song, or I guess you're not going to be hearing as much like final countdown synthesizer in this new album. No, no, or no. Something. Well, there's there's actually there's a couple moments like that, but even in their <laughs> '70s influence, they're not. We're not talking about '70s pop music. We're talking about you know like. 70s King Crimson and 70s Yes and that that 70s the 70s that you know everybody forgets about um, so interesting so it's so what, what is this band again Haken H-A-K-E-N J-K-E-N um, okay yes that, that's really cool that's, that's that would be one of my top picks and um, probably my number two pick and it's in a different direction is a band called Pineapple Thief um that sounds terrible already. Uh, no, it's you gotta give him a, you gotta give him a chance. It, that's more again. It's it's still progressive rock, but that's more atmospheric, um, largely in the in almost. I'm not gonna compare them to Radiohead, but it's more of that end of um, of progressive music where it's it's not it's not really concerned with crazy time signature changes and concept albums about 
supercomputers and robots and space and all of that stuff. It's it's uh it's much more much more subtle in the arrangements. Uh, but they're they're another band where it's they have these incredibly incredible dynamic shifts in the song, where the song you know kind of starts at a whisper and and ends in a shout. Uh, and they, they do a really good job of, of this. There's some post-rock elements and other things. Um, but I think those are, those are my two, two top picks of the year. Oh, I'd like to throw out a... Uh, I, 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 can't, I can't talk about it without talking about Iron Maiden, uh, Book of <laughs> Souls, which I don't know how Iron Maiden is still managing to, to put out great music at this point in their career, but I, I really enjoyed Book of Souls. I don't know, did you did you get listen to Book of Souls? I listened to it a couple of times. I didn't get to listen to it much. I I, I, I don't know. Like I'm trying to actually. Uh, I I didn't listen to it enough to even hum a few bars. Yeah, it's not um, something that again I wouldn't have said like wow that was like my favorite album this year, but I just um, I no, appreciate I when people... Iron Maiden comes out with a new album because I feel like they they're consistent. And I know I'm going to get Iron Maiden, and it, it's still, there's still enough in there to make me say, like, to not just want to go back and listen to, you know, Peace of Mind and Power Slave or something like that. There's enough in, in each of their new albums to make me want to listen to it a little bit, you know? See, that's the interesting thing. I feel like after a matter of life and death, they've kind of, or at least maybe even the response to it, there's just been something kind of, for me, I guess, missing. But, um, oh, wait, no, I actually kind of remember um, they did have that single for Book of Souls. I can't remember what it was, but it was kind of weird. Maybe part of it is also, for me, the production value, because Bruce Dickinson's singing kind of stands out way more, and it feels like the, mm-hmm. ins- the, the instrumentation and, like, all the all the actual, like, music and everything, uh, aside from the vocals, is a bit more subdued. And for me, part of, I mean, part of Iron Maiden is, of course, all of that together. I mean, Bruce Dickinson is Bruce Dickinson, man. I mean, don't mess with him. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, it's all of it together. He, like, you're, you're headbanging and you're singing at the same time. So that as soon as, you know, Bruce is done, he's taking a break, you're singing along with a guitar kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, said, I, don't I mean, on a few listens, I, I really think there were some cool guitar passages in there, too. Um, and some great you know, multi-guitar moments, uh, which is another thing that uh, Iron Maiden does a really good job of, is, you know, the you know the, the, the two-guitar attack doesn't just, like, so that one guy can play rhythm while the other guy can play a solo. It's, uh, you know, they, they, they work together really well um, and all that. Hmm. Counterpoint and, and such. Well, as for me, I mean... I mean, you know, I mean, normally I'm a, I'm really big into the power metal scene and everything, which, for people that aren't familiar, is I mean, the most base level you can really go to is Dragon Force. That's like saying, you know, like, oh, I enjoy hamburgers, therefore I like McDonald's. Um, that's <laughs> those are those are my thoughts Sorry. on Dragon Force. So, uh, <laughs> I get I get, um, I get a little annoyed at, at Dragon Force. I mean, they're cool, yeah, but it's not like then yeah, it's not like they've ever written a second song before. Um, they've just written the same song over and over again. But 
uh, that's normally, and that's, but that's actually the thing is, I keep like Amazon uh, keeps putting all these new albums on Prime, and I keep giving them a listen. And I, I've been listening to power metal since high school, so at this point, I keep hearing these new albums, and I keep giving them a listen through, and it's just. So many of them really have reached a point where, to me, it's just absolutely derivative. It's like, these are not albums I would spend money on. So I've kind of been looking back, uh, going through other things, and some of that is going back to old albums I got, only gave a couple of listens, and I'm discovering a deeper love. Like, I'm, I'm really discovering a deeper love for concept albums, especially. Like, before this year, it's like, I, I, I like seeing Proto Men live. Mm-hmm. And this year, I finally started to really listen to their albums and find something to really appreciate. Nice. Um, I started to... I, I really listened to Clockwork Angels by Rush, an album which I liked before, but I was kind of like, oh, every song kind of sounds the same, and now it's like one of my favorite albums to go back and listen to. Um, what did you think of uh, Dream Theater's The Astonishing? Did you give that any spins? or? I've not been able to give that a spin yet, no. Okay. That was just this year, right? Yeah, that was, that was just this year. Uh, I feel like the I think the only 2016 album I actually bought was at the very end Machine Supremacy released a new album which was a follow up to their Phantom Shadow and I found out at Magfest recently uh, I spoke with the guys and evidently Phantom Shadow didn't sell all that well huh. which to me is strange cuz it's like that's their best album but they're on their their own new record now the 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 latest one's sort of a spin-off continuation of that same concept album so, it's, I mean, they're, they're still doing what they do. I'm just hoping this isn't like, now that Phantom Shadow has financially failed, it's, they're, they're, they're not going to grow like they, like I feel like they did with that one. Um, they're going to kind of, I don't know, find something that is like, okay, this is fun to write, fun to perform, and also fans actually spend money on it. Um, we'll have to see, but, um, I mean, leaving the, even, let's just leave the, uh, the, the metal aspect behind or the hard rock aspect, aside from concept albums, what has, I think is more, it culminated in 2016, but a few years ago, I started watching a YouTube channel called The Rap Critic, mm-hmm. and I used to be one of those guys that was unable to appreciate rap. I could not get into it. I couldn't understand what the, what the people saw. When I was uh, younger, I used to say stupid, ignorant stuff like, you know, it's, you know, just rhyming really fast. Um, and these are completely inaccurate now that after listening to the rap, after watching the rap critic videos, listening to the, some of the songs that he has said were good, um, especially, actually, yeah, I, I really enjoyed some of the songs he really liked. Um, and then after seeing the movie Straight Out of Compton last year, and I bought it on Blu-ray, and it's like, I really like this movie. I really like some of the stuff going on with the, the, the music. I'm better able to appreciate thanks to Rap Critic. So I started listening to rap a bit more this year. And I'm it's still not something that I'm listening to as much as the rock and the metal. But, good God, I'm better... It, 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 it's like I, there's this mood I never really realized I had. <laughs> and rap fills that void. Um, I, I listened to the NWA straight out of Compton a few times. Um, I listened to um, 
the Wu-Tang Clan's, uh, enter, I think it's Enter the Wu-Tang, I don't know. It's called Enter the Wu-Tang. My brother listened to it, and he thinks the tracks are all out of order. It's what's on Amazon right now, Amazon Prime. Okay. Listen to it, and it's like, I really like the wordplay by a lot of them. Like, Method Man, Old Dirty Bastard, I really like them. Uh, Inspect the Deck. Uh, uh, Inspect, I think it's Inspect the Deck is the name. But it's like, some of the, some of the guys, I it's like, man... They're really good at just spinning words, like, the, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like at this point, it's like if you are a writer, you owe it to yourself to listen to rap a bit, because some of the some some of the wordplay that goes into it is really good. But then, like stuff that um, people recommended to me, like Busta Rhymes, I just can't get into it. I there's something missing. Maybe it's the and that I think part of it is um, who's producing. Um, hmm. And that's also one of the things, like, um, again, recently at MAGFest, uh, followed a, a buddy of mine, Tim White, is part of the this Mega Rants little nerd people of color collective. Um, I think that's what he calls it. It's basically NPCC um, is what he calls, nice. calls it. Um, nah, NPCC. Yeah. Um, he... You know, uh, Mega Ran, you know, gathers all these people, and one of the people was a guy called Doug Funny. Um, and yes, of course, aware of the, you know, he 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 was a he's a fan of the cartoon Doug until Disney got a hold of it. But I'm listening to his album Homecoming, and it's like this is good stuff. Like this is like really solid. So I've I've been trying to, like I guess in in but. In listening to so much of the same genre and finding out how derivative it is, it has actually given me the ability to find other stuff out there. Um, and of course, I should also say, I have friends introduced me to the Hamilton uh, soundtrack for nice. the Broadway play. And, you know, it's it's solid. It's solid. It's got a lot of good running themes that go on throughout. Uh, it's surprisingly really well thought out um yeah i've heard good things i mean i know some people in the in theater and they they all you know speak really highly of it as well so that's i mean that's just that's where i've gone with music in 2016 and i'm wondering where i'll be going after that because i feel like i'm kind of leaving power metal behind Hmm. but largely because it's like I uh, put in Blind Guardian when I want, like when I want power metal, basically, because Blind Guardian to me is the pinnacle of that genre that no one else even tries to achieve, except maybe Sonata Artica, but they're going a different direction. That's the thing. Like these are bands that are trying things other than just okay, strum the D string really, yeah. really fast and pound that double bass pedal. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so. kind of in the same boat. Where I definitely I had a phase where I was more into power metal. Um, Listen to a lot of I was that was several years ago. So a lot of these bands were like I think Sonata Artica was like had an EP out or something. But like you know Gamma Ray and Halloween and yep. Blind Guardian. Um, and I just the more the more other bands I started checking out, the more I again I felt like yeah, like you're saying, it all sounds the same <laughs> and it's very derivative. And uh, I just yeah, it kind of made me branch out from that a lot more. I mean, I guess that's what, uh, all we got for now. I mean, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to in 2017? Anything in particular? So many things. 
uh, music-wise, since we're just on music, I'm really looking forward to uh, Pain of Salvation has a new album coming out. Uh, and it's more of, if you're familiar with Pain of Salvation at all, you should be. Uh, it's more a return to uh, their roots, presumably. You know, they always say that. Um, but I've heard I've heard some good things uh, from from people who have advanced copies. Um, other than that, um, I'm I'm looking forward to maybe catching a few movies that don't star people in brightly colored costumes. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and sort of getting getting back into some of that, either brightly colored costumes or our animated animals, uh, one or the other. So so I'd like to get away from that and uh, and back into some more some different types of cinema. So that's kind of thing, some things I'm looking forward to. How about you, Chris? Um, most of what I'm looking forward to is usually is basically in the next few weeks or months. So like video game wise, like near Automata. I mean, if you haven't played the demo for that on PS4 yet, then you should get to downloading that demo. Um, I am psyched for it because I played the prior game, and I also love Platinum games, so it's a good match made in heaven. Nier um, is one of my favorite uh, PS3 games, so... Yeah, it, 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 it's, yeah, it's one of those games where it's like, oh yeah, that's art. Really badly <laughs> designed combat art, but it's art. Uh, and the, the, music, um, and the music in that game, I really hope... I don't. I haven't oh, been following yeah. too close. I, I've actually kind of stopped following video games closely a lot because I like being surprised. Um, yeah, that's a good one to be surprised by. Uh, and we'll have to maybe well, we can talk uh, next time about Final Fantasy 15. And I, I'm I'm glad I got to be surprised by that by not watching any trailers or promotional materials for about three years. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a better idea. Um. But no, other than that, I mean, like, movies, uh, The Founder is coming out in a, uh, a couple weeks, as of this recording, at least. Um, the Founder, which is about Ray Kroc and how he screwed over the McDonald's brothers. Hmm. Um, there's um, music I'm not really too certain of. Like, I don't really follow, like, that's the thing. Like, I kind of stumble upon music when new albums come out, unless I happen to be following the band on Facebook or YouTube. Which basically means if I'm, I, that's how I find out about Blind Guardian or Machine Supremacy getting a new album. So, not many other bands I really follow that way. Um, but uh, movies, the founder, the video game, the Near Automata, ah, TV, Little Witch Academia. Now I haven't talked about anime that, uh, really much this episode, but I mean I do like anime. But Little Witch Academia is kind of like. There are two short films, basically, on Netflix for Little Witch Academia. Mm-hmm. And like how, like how a lot of people will say, you know, like Cowboy Bebop is an anime that you don't have to be an anime fan to watch. Because uh, it, it, it like eschews a lot of the stereotypes, it eschews a lot of the tropes. Like, it is its own thing. Little Witch Academia is kind of the same thing. Okay, cool. It is so refreshing. It has a lot of inspiration from, like, Western animation kind of a deal. It is a sort of school for girls take on Harry Potter, but it doesn't feel like Harry Potter. In a lot of ways, I think it could be better than Harry Potter. And in a few weeks, Netflix is going to start airing the first season of the television series. And it might be the only season of the television series. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but it's uh, an animation studio called Studio Trigger. They've done a lot of good stuff. 
Um, and again, like you can watch Netflix. They have the two shorts. One of them was for an animation festival. That's just the first of the Witch Academia, and it was sort of a proof of concept, like a pilot. Okay. Then they had the 40-some-minute short video, The Enchanted Parade, and I recommend anyone go watch those because they are delightful. But otherwise, that's uh, that's essentially what I'm looking forward to in 2017. Awesome. So, uh, I don't know, what do you say? What do you want to do now? You want to do, like, Destiny, Vermintide? Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right.